Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, a whistleblower warns it could get worse. The ousted vaccine expert says the government still lacks a master plan in dealing with the coronavirus. And the urgent warning tonight. Our window of opportunity is closing. Plus, the president tours a Pennsylvania factory without a mask. Look at you people all spread out six feet. That's pretty impressive. Breaking news, the CDC issues an alert about that mystery illness in children. What we're learning tonight. Staggering job losses, 36 million jobs lost over just two months. And a food line in Dallas a mile long before the food bank even opened. Shutdown showdown, armed protesters and scuffles over Michigan's stay-at-home orders. While in Wisconsin, residents are packing bars and restaurants hours after the state's Supreme Court overturns the governor's stay-at-home orders. One judge calling them the definition of tyranny. The FBI seizes a Republican senator's iPhone. Did the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee use insider information to profit off of the pandemic? Plus... You know what it is. It's trying. A lesson from a five-year-old, why she wants to follow in her mother's footsteps. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. The top government scientist charged with helping to develop vaccines for coronavirus says lives were lost because the Trump administration ignored his warnings in the early days of the pandemic. Rick Bright, who was ousted last month as the head of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, issued a stark warning to Congress today, saying time is running out to address the outbreak and that things will get worse without a nationwide strategy for testing and distributing a vaccine, something he says 
the country doesn't have. And as we come on the air tonight, another sign of just how bad things already are. The virus has now killed more than 85,000 people right here in the U.S. And there are more than 1.4 million confirmed cases nationwide. Beyond the staggering loss of life tonight, we're also learning more about the economic toll of this pandemic. Nearly 3 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits in the last week alone. And there's breaking news just coming in tonight on that deadly, mysterious illness affecting children across the country. It's already killed three children. And tonight, the CDC is drawing a direct link between the disease and coronavirus and asking doctors to report those suspected cases immediately. Well, there's a lot of news to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by. CBS's Nancy Cordes is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Capitol Hill with that explosive testimony. Nancy? Nora, Rick Bright was part of the nation's preparedness team, and he delivered a blistering view of it today. And he issued this warning that the window to act is closing if the government wants to head off a second surge. Without better planning, 2020 could be the darkest winter in modern history. Bright told lawmakers he was ousted last month after refusing to embrace the drug chloroquine as a possible COVID cure. When I spoke outside of our government and shared my concerns for the American public, that I believe was a straw that broke the camel's back. The president has repeatedly touted hydroxychloroquine. It could be a game changer. And did so again today. We've had tremendous response to but recent studies have shown the drug can cause fatal heart problems. Did the president's obsession with this issue distract you and others on your team from your mission of saving lives? The directive we received to prioritize and put an expanded access protocol in place within 48 hours was extremely distracting to dozens of federal scientists. President Trump rejected Bright's him, claims. I watched him and he looks like an angry, disgruntled employee who frankly, according to some people, didn't do a very good job. Bright told lawmakers that his early warnings about drug and gear shortages were ignored. He shared one disturbing email he received from a medical supplier back in January. Our mask supply, our N95 respirator supply was, was completely decimated. And he said, we're in deep The world is, and we need to act. And I pushed that forward to the highest levels I could in HHS and got no response. So people died because you weren't listened to? People died because they didn't have appropriate protective equipment. His boss, Health Secretary Alex Azar, said Bright was exaggerating. Everything he's complaining about was achieved. This is like somebody who was in a choir and is now trying to say, he was a soloist. Azar traveled with the president to a factory in Allentown, Pennsylvania today, where Mr. Trump and his chief of staff were the only officials who did not don masks. Before leaving, Mr. Trump offered this job, prediction. And I think we're going to have a vaccine by the end of the year. But Bright, a vaccine expert, disagreed. A lot of optimism is swirling around a 12 to 18 month time frame. If everything goes perfectly, we've never seen everything go perfectly. The CDC had prepared a detailed 63-page document with specific guidance for how workplaces and schools can reopen safely. But the White House rejected that document, so today the CDC issued a watered-down version, basically a series of one-page memos like this one for daycares comprised of more simplistic guidance. Nora?
Nancy, thank you. And you can see our interview with Rick Bright, the whistleblower who testified today in Congress. That's coming up this Sunday on 60 Minutes. The CDC is telling doctors what symptoms to look out for in the rare but deadly children's illness that's linked to COVID-19. Nearly 200 cases have now been confirmed in 19 states and Washington, D.C. At least three children have died. CBS's Jerika Duncan is in New York with the new alert that just came out. Jerika? That new CDC alert, Nora, makes clear that COVID-19 plus symptoms of that illness equal multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. The CDC is now asking doctors to report cases of pediatric multi-system inflammatory syndrome. It's a way of getting a handle on this new illness nationwide. Collating information and giving us guidance is key. Fever, abdominal pain, and rash seem to be the presenting symptoms. What can you tell parents to reassure them that this isn't going to explode the same way that coronavirus did? While it is a very serious illness, it is also very rare. Across the country, nearly 200 children are suspected of having the mysterious illness. 87% of the cases in New York tested positive for either the virus or for antibodies, which indicates past infection. While the chances of your child getting the inflammatory syndrome are rare, no parent wants to watch this. The way she was breathing, it was hard. I just wanted to be next to her. Shivali Rodriguez's three-year-old daughter, Alani, was exposed to COVID. Her mother tested positive in March. Alani had a fever, was dehydrated, and had low blood pressure. She was treated with IV fluids for four days in the ICU at a hospital in New Jersey. Alani is thankfully back home, doing what she loves, dancing. Many hospitals have formed specialists to look and monitor at these children. That's because, Nora, there are still concerns about complications that these children may face in later days. Trika, thank you. We turn now to the economy. Nearly 3 million more Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week. That's more than 36 million people in two months. But the real number is expected to be higher because many people can't get through overloaded state systems. CBS's Mark Strassman has our report. Free groceries drew this line of cars a mile long in Dallas today. Across America, food insecurity spreads like a virus. How are you fixed for food? Very low. <laughs> Tiffany Andrews lives outside Atlanta. How many days a week would you say you go hungry? Maybe twice, three times. Until mid-March, this jobless single mother of two drove a hotel shuttle bus. She made $12 an hour. How much money do you have left? I have $9. You have $9? Mm -hmm. Georgia sent her one unemployment check in six weeks, $365. Then, nothing. She has called the state 885 times to find out why. I can't get in touch with anybody. I can't get any emails back. Uh, I can't do anything. My hands are tied. State unemployment systems are overwhelmed. A recent poll showed 55% of people filing for benefits were unsuccessful. And the real unemployment number may be double the official 14%. I'm not going to be able to get my baby her pampers, her milk. Marvin Spratley's also struggling to get his unemployment benefits. We first interviewed the jobless cook in Philadelphia two weeks ago. He had $600 left. I'm down to my last $27. I never thought that it was going to get down this slow. Federal data estimate 42% of recent layoffs will become permanent. 
Economists say 100,000 small businesses have already closed for good. Tiffany Andrews owes almost $2,600 in back rent. She just got an eviction notice. You know, I have people depending on me. I, I got to believe that lonely position to be in. Very. Feel abandoned. <laughs> The Atlanta Legal Aid Society is helping her with the eviction notice. We called Georgia's Department of Labor about her unemployment issues. Turns out the state computer had trouble verifying her identity. It's all been straightened out. She's going to get all of her past due state and federal money, $6,100. Nora? Thank you, Mark, for doing that. Tonight, there are new conflicts over ending stay-at-home orders. Armed protesters again marched on Michigan's capital. It was a very different scene in Wisconsin where a controversial court ruling led to some to celebrate at the bar. CBS's Adriana Diaz reports from Waukesha, Wisconsin. <laughs> a number of local bars swung open their doors hours after the state Supreme Court said they could. Today, food is flying out of the kitchen at the neighbor's bar and grill. The tables are spread out, but servers aren't wearing masks or gloves. Owner Chris Potratz. I'm feeling all kinds of different things, worried because... I'm, I'm, my main concern is the safety of everybody. Why not then just keep your doors shut if you have a little bit of trepidation? Um, because I can't afford to. My thing is we can't stay locked down forever. The justices threw out the governor's stay-at-home orders, calling them, quote, the definition of tyranny. Today, the governor said this. Even with all this chaos, we cannot let the court's ruling undo all the work we have done to keep our families, our neighbors, and our communities safe. In Michigan, some 250 protesters returned to the Capitol to demand their statewide restrictions be lifted. Tensions have boiled there. The governor even voiced concern over reportedly violent threats against her. Today, some demonstrators carried long guns but stayed peaceful. In New York, low-risk rural area businesses can open tomorrow, and the New York Stock Exchange floor will open to traders in two weeks. But there is outrage over police enforcement of mask wearing in New York City. At least six officers detained this young mother over a mask. New York's attorney general is demanding more transparency from the New York City Police Department. Back here in Wisconsin, there are no statewide rules on how to safely reopen, and some local jurisdictions have rushed to reinstate state home orders. So, for example, here in Waukesha County, all businesses can reopen, but less than 10 miles away in Milwaukee County, there are still restrictions. Nora. Adriana, thank you. Embattled Senator Richard Burr is stepping down as chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. His decision comes after a dramatic new turn in the federal probe of the North Carolina Republicans' personal stock trades. Here's CBS's Jeff Pegues. North Carolina Senator Richard Burr was on the run today from reporters. Can you explain to us at all what happened last night? Everybody on the reckless investigation plan. In a stunning move, FBI agents went to Burr's home last night and seized his cell phone. Now, evidence in a federal investigation of whether the senator used information from confidential briefings on the coronavirus when he sold off as much as $1.7 million in stocks. On February 7th, Burr wrote that the country was better prepared than ever before to deal with the virus. Six days later, he made 33 individual transactions, including hotel stocks, which would be hit by the virus. His brother-in-law sold stocks the same day. One week later, the market plummeted. How serious is this for the senator? 
He is in all kinds of trouble. He's now struggling, not just for his political life, but for his liberty. Burr has stressed that he is cooperating with the FBI. Jeff Begay's CBS News, Washington. Tonight, the NIH is testing a potential coronavirus treatment that combines hydroxychloroquine with an antibiotic that fights infections like pink eye. CBS's chief medical correspondent, Dr. John LaPook, reports testing on another blend of drugs. A so-called cocktail has entered a new phase as we continue our series, Racing to a Cure. Just three weeks ago, 57-year-old Bill Clark was discharged from a hospital in Atlanta after battling COVID-19. I started wondering, how bad is this going to be? Am I close to dying? Clark took part in a groundbreaking global trial with early results that showed remdesivir reduced average hospitalizations from 15 to 11 days. Dr. Anish Mehta was the lead investigator of the NIH trial at Emory University. I think remdesivir is going to be one important tool, but we also need to look for other ways to uh, help our patients. In the next phase of the trial, Dr. Mehta and colleagues are adding even more firepower to the battle against COVID-19, combining remdesivir to stop the virus from multiplying with a powerful anti-inflammatory drug, a so-called immune modulator that aims to prevent organ damage by calming down an inflamed immune system. The remdesivir stops the virus from replicating inside the cell, and the immune modulator puts out the fire. And what the remdesivir does is stops the spark. And the immune modulator will hopefully be putting dirt on the fire to dampen it out. One-two punch. A one-two punch. Dr. Mehta's team is looking at whether this powerful combination could make recovery even faster and possibly reduce the mortality rate in a way remdesivir alone has not yet been shown to do. It's a strategy based on years of AIDS research. Dr. Anthony Fauci. When we were struggling for drugs for HIV, and we had nothing. It took nearly 10 years to show a combination of drugs was needed to treat AIDS. So, Nora, now they're applying that lesson learned to COVID-19. Dr. LaPook, thank you. There is new evidence tonight in an alleged murder that has sparked racial tensions in Georgia. One of the men accused of gunning down Ahmaud Arbery called 911 less than two weeks before the deadly shooting. Travis McMichael reported that a black man broke into a home under construction in his neighborhood. Arbery was unarmed and apparently out for a jog when he was killed weeks later. A lawyer for McMichael suggested today that there's more to the story and says the truth will come out at the trial. The coronavirus remains a major concern on the USS Theodore Roosevelt. Today, we learned five sailors from the aircraft carrier tested positive after they had been cleared to return. The Roosevelt's been docked in Guam since an outbreak in March infected 1,100 crew members. Its captain was fired after sounding the alarm. All right, there are overachievers, and then there's Ariel and Ariana Williams. The Milwaukee identical twins finished first and second in their high school class. They got into 38 different colleges each and earned $1 million in scholarships. It's okay to fail sometimes, says Ariana. Just come back harder. In the end, they chose Marquette University, where they'll chase their dream of nursing. And congratulations to them. For teachers, giving lessons from home on a laptop can be challenging. But CBS's Meg Oliver reports a substitute in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, makes it look easy at the ripe old age of five. You know what it is? 
Blakely Servos is a bright-eyed five-year-old who loves to play school. It's a triangle. The little girl has been watching her mom, a kindergarten teacher, record online videos for her students for months. You're right. It's a circle. It looks like an One ice One day cream when cup. mom stepped away, ice cream is my favorite. A confident Blakely stepped in. It's a cube. Like mother, One like daughter. Face. One, two circles on it. What do you want to be when you grow up? A teacher. Why? Because they make people smart. A smart little girl with big dreams. Meg Oliver, CBS News. Can you let this virus go away for me? Montclair, New Jersey. <laughs> we want the virus to go away too. Tomorrow is Friday, so on the CBS Evening News, Steve Hartman goes on the road for graduation. How parents and teachers are getting creative to celebrate the class of 2020. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.